everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the PenceCast Mailbag here at the Skating Penguin Network, a Labor Day edition for all of our United States friends. I am Garrett Behanna, as always, joined by Robbie Noggle, fellow contributing writer over at Pensburg.com, as well as our newest recruit to the Skating Penguin Network, Snail. We have a, a pretty big mailbag this week, 18 questions in all from quite a few different people this week, so love to see the variety in the mailbag. If you would like to contribute to a future edition of one of these mailbag episodes, you can do so by following us on Twitter or X, whatever it's called. Follow us at PenguinsFFSN to stay up to date with new content that comes out, mailbag, uh, mailbag tweets that we put out every week. Uh, we send out a mailbag tweet roughly every Sunday asking for your participation in these mailbag episodes. So we have 18 questions this week, and uh, we will start question number one with Robbie. Question number two goes to Snail. I will take question number three, and we will, like we have done in the past, repeat that cycle until all questions are answered. Question number one, Robbie, comes from Brian it's unfortunate, Robbie, that Carl Haglund has to retire the way he did, but he was a crucial part in that back-to-back -back run. His speed and forecheck gave teams fits. One of the rare bad moves, Brian believes, by former general manager Jim Rutherford by trading him away. Brian would also like to add that it's something poetic that he and Patrick Hornquist are retiring in the same offseason. <clears throat> Yeah, certainly. Um, I know that Haglin had some uh, injury issues, especially with his eye in the past couple years. And it is unfortunate that he has to go out like that. He can't really go out on his own terms. But uh, what a career he had. Uh, again, one of the fastest skaters, maybe the fastest skater of um, of his time. It just absolutely, um, he could fly all over the ice. He was such a weapon uh, for those Penguins teams that won back-to-back -back Stanley Cups. Uh, a great trade to bring him in. Uh, from Anaheim in uh, kind of the middle of that 2016 season as they were kind of um, on the upswing after being after struggling the first half of that season. Uh, and yeah, he was obviously the H in the HBK that was so vitally important to that 2016 run. And then in 2017, uh, running it back, he had the uh, the the goal that put the the rubber seal on uh, the 2017 championship. Uh, in Nashville and it just he was more than just an on-ice guy he was clearly a locker room guy as well extremely well liked uh, his trade in 2019 what for Tanner Pearson was kind of one of uh, Jim Rutherford's patented uh, shake up the roster when things aren't going great kind of thing and it didn't work out obviously um, uh, definitely a regrettable move but he probably would have been leaving Pittsburgh uh, at the end of that season anyway, just because of cap numbers. Uh, he was up for a new contract, I believe. But yeah, um, very a very great career. Um, glad that he gets to um, go enjoy life now, and I hope that he can, whatever his eye issues are, aren't something that um, bother him uh, throughout the rest of his life, and it gets sorted out and. Um, he can live a great retirement with his wife and kids. Um, whenever he comes back to Pittsburgh, uh, should always receive a standing ovation. And as for retiring the same uh, time as Hornquist, uh, it's kind of sad now that some of these guys are getting 
uh, that were so crucial to that to the, that back to back run are now um, on their way out. Um, you have guys like uh, Benino, who's obviously at the end of his career. Um, Fleury, who looks like he's playing his last season. Now Hagelin and um, uh, Hornquist are both retired. Phil Kessel, the K in the HBK, does not currently have um, a job right now, but he is obviously toward the end of his career. So um, best of luck to Carl Hagelin, uh, whatever his future plans are, and uh, he'll always he'll forever be a legend in Pittsburgh. Uh, question number two, sticking with uh, Brian here. Uh, with uh, Fenway Sports Group now having purchased uh, what is formerly AT&T Sportsnet, do you think that blackouts will be eliminated? From their statement, it seems like nothing on the broadcast side will be too much too different. Uh, franchises should should want to make it as easy as possible for fans to watch their team play. And can Snell not watch the Penguin games through ESPN Plus since he's not a local in Pittsburgh? Um, <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, like I... I used to have the uh, before I moved. Um, I moved uh, like a year ago. I had uh, just your average cable, and I would pay for NHL Center Ice. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. If that's just a thing out here or everywhere, but um, I would be able to watch every Penguins game. But since I moved, um, I don't have cable anymore, and I now <clears throat> I now have like every streaming app there is in order to watch every penguins game and i still run into blackouts um which sucks i think they need to figure that out um do you guys i'm curious do you guys out there uh do you experience regional blackouts or is pittsburgh just some sort of like do they really care about their fans and their sports enough to uh, to have eliminated those i've definitely experienced like there, there are certain certain blackouts i know i've experienced depending on what platform uh, like the Penguins games are on. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, I've experienced, like I'm streaming them online. Yeah, I know. I've definitely experienced those blackouts. But I mean, for the most part, with this AT&T, Sportsnet, Sportsnet Pittsburgh stuff, uh, hopefully blackouts just do get eliminated. Hopefully they go with FSG now in control of this, hopefully they go the, the streaming route and offer like a streaming package, whether it's like $7.99, $9.99 a month to watch all 82 games in postseason or whatever, something like that. So, I mean, yeah, it's definitely blackouts suck for fan purposes, but hopefully now with where the direction we're moving in with a heavy emphasis on streaming products and streaming services, yeah, I'd be in favor of doing something like that. So, so yeah, out here in Seattle, even like once we, uh, Seattle got the Kraken out here. I mean, on ESPN, like if you, if the, the only way you have to watch hockey is on ESPN plus, like you can't watch, you can't watch Kraken home games. It's, it's, it's really ridiculous. So, um, so I've heard like this thing brought up a couple of times with the, uh, like a direct to consumer, like streaming service for like, for example, for the Penguins. Would that just mean you download an app? Is it as simple as that? You download an app like you would ESPN Plus or like TNT or something, and just every you pay a subscription for it, and then every month, like you just a little, it, yeah, like seven nine, whatever that dollar figure looks like, and you have access to every single game played that season. Is that essentially what that model would look like? That should be how the model works. 
uh, in the future if they go down that route. Yeah, you download an app and you know pay whatever it is a month, and you, you should that should be what it looks like. Whether or not they do that remains to be seen. I'd be totally down for that. I don't see why they haven't moved. I mean, I get it. it's complicated. There's like TV deals and I'm sure it's like, I'm sure it's extremely complicated and not as simple as just like pulling the trigger on creating an app like that. But I, I hope that they move in that direction. That would just make things so easy. But um, I'm sure ESPN and, and TNT and these big networks uh, would, would beg to differ that uh, I'm sure that, it, like I said, it's probably complicated. But uh, yeah, out here, I, I I try to watch all the Penguins games. I, I'll download something last minute just to watch one if it's not on one of those big streaming services. Um, it's kind of a pain in the ass, but <clears throat> that's just kind of the way it's that's kind of the way it's always been, especially when you don't have cable or something like Center Ice. Um, let's see here. Question three from. Okay, so this is from. This is from Brian. Brian asks, who do you want to see in the booth for the broadcast now that Mears and Airy were let go? Glad to hear that Potash is staying on. He makes pre, post, and mid-game interviews so fun. His connection with the team is special. I'd like to see Armdog get his chance full-time. And Woody also asks kind of a similar question here. Uh, Woody asks also, are you surprised that Mears and Airy were replaced? I'm I'm more surprised over Mears. Airy became too much of a cheerleader for the other teams for my liking. Hopefully old 2-9er or Colby Armstrong is on the play-by-play. Well, sticking with the broadcast questions we have, we'll, we'll talk about the news that was made earlier. Uh, well, not earlier this week, but late last week, it was announced that with Fenway Sports Group purchasing the rights to the regional sports network that was AT&T Sportsnet, Fenway Sports Group has created their own uh, regional sports network called Sportsnet Pittsburgh. And with that acquisition and with that change comes the unfortunate replacement of both Bob Airy and Steve Mears. Airy had been with the, the team broadcasting games for over 20 years at this point, if I'm not mistaken, Steve Mears was brought in to replace Paul Staggerwald in 2016 or 2017. So Ari and Mears had been together for six or seven years. And uh, it, it's it's good to see Potash, uh, like, like Brian mentions, good to see Dan Potash. He is an incredibly popular figure uh, in that locker room with the players and obviously has a tremendous fan following outside. If you're local to Pittsburgh and catching interviews with Potash in the intermission. I am surprised. I am quite surprised that FSG made this move. Uh, but uh, I think both Airy and Mears are talented in their own rights that they will both land on their feet doing something else. I know uh, Steve Mears has prior experience with the NHL network and he's called uh, other hockey games for other hockey teams before I think he will have no problem finding a job. I think he is an incredibly talented play-by-play man. Bob Airy, I don't know what the future could hold for Bob Airy. Maybe he starts a, a former player podcast like uh, a lot of guys do. I think it would be interesting to hear that side of Bob Airy. But switching to Woody's question, talking about this as well, what could happen to the future? We really don't know outside of Dan Potash staying with the the new RSN that Fenway has created. It had been a common running theme 
if you're listening to this commentary, that Woody notes here, Airy became too much of a cheerleader for other teams for his liking. And I had heard that sentiment a lot before. I get there's a sense of homerism you have to have. When Paul Staggerbold and and Bob Airy were together as a tandem, there were a lot of claims of homerism between that duo. And for regional sports networks, for local markets, you can. I think that's okay to have that sense of homerism. You're covering this particular team. You're not doing it at a national level. You're singularly focused on one market. I don't think that's too much of a problem. Aries commentary I could live without, especially later on where like 50% of his commentary was basically, oh, let's get mucking and grinded. If the Penguins were out, like if they were down four to two, he would go, oh, let's get mucking and grinding. Let's start throwing hits. That'll get that'll get the Penguins back in the game. But uh, I, I, for the nostalgia aspect and the familiarity aspect of being on the air for so long, I think that's what I'll miss the most about Bob Aries commentary. As for the future, I have not heard anything. I don't have inside sources. I would not be surprised if FSG, <clears throat> FSG does a simulcast of Josh gets off and maybe Phil Bork or Colby Armstrong as the color guy. I know uh, Josh Yoey put out a piece in The Athletic a couple of days ago saying that team sources were high on Josh Getzoff's work as the radio play-by-play man for the Penguins radio network. I think he would be a tremendous addition to the TV side. I'd be curious if they go the simulcast route to cut costs because I know uh, regional sports networks had been losing a lot of money and with more and more people cutting cable, uh, they had been making cutbacks, You know, not sending announcers on the road, keeping them in a home studio and recording or not recording commentary, but play, like watching the game from a studio and giving commentary, live commentary that way. So I could see a simulcast route to cut costs if FSG goes that route. But it looks like Josh Getzoff will be the TV play-by-play person. I'm not sure if Phil Bork will come over to the TV side of things or if Colby Armstrong maybe gets an increase in responsibility. But uh, I'm sure those questions will be answered within the next month or so before the regular season gets under full swing. Would you just, is there like a announcer, like, would you give Doc Emmerich just like a blank check to call Penguins games? I I would personally, but he has, he is happily enjoying retirement. And <laughs> yeah, true. I, I mean, I don't know what he was making at the NBC level, but I'm sure it's whatever he was making. I mean, FSG has money, but I don't know if they have enough money to lure Doc Emmerich out of retirement. But from my own personal perspective, if I could get Doc Emmerich to broadcast 82 Penguin games a year, I would be in heaven. But uh, I don't think I think Doc is happily enjoying retirement, so I'll, I'll let him be. Or or what about Paul Staggerwall? How do you guys feel about him? Like, is I, I doubt he would come back. I don't think that's that's not even been talked about for a reason. But I loved hearing his calls. No, they should not do that. <laughs> yeah, there for there a lot of people agree with Robbie. I'm indifferent. I could live with or without Paul Staggerwald, but uh I if if you survey Penguins fans in in the Pittsburgh region, especially ones that are Robbie's age uh and younger, I think that they would be opposed to bringing back Paul Staggerwald. Could could you just like quickly like enlighten me as to like why? Because I had I didn't know that there was that bias. 
Is it he's the blatant homerism? Yeah, he's just, yeah, blatant. Like, and he was just like, it just, he'd be so out of pocket at times. And he's quite clearly better off in a role where he's working um, for the team in a behind the scenes capacity. Again, the Tiger Walls have been tied with the Penguins for well before I was even born at the at this point. So it's kind of, um, it just gets tiring to a point. And I'd much rather have, you have a very young, um, very well-liked option in Josh Getzoff uh, right there uh, for the taking. Um, he's done almost the impossible and replaced Mike Lang on the radio. Uh, it's a massive shoes to fill. I think he, he's just very, very, very good at his job. He is very energetic, very even, very fair. Um, I just think that the obvious answer is right there in front of you and uh, you take it um, when it's there. And I think that it's just the easiest, uh, the easiest choice. And whoever's the, the color guy, I, I, I don't have a, any uh, issue with either uh, Phil Bork or Colby Armstrong. Um, even if they rotate those two guys between the radio and the television, um, does not matter to me one iota. I like, I really like Phil Bork. I think he's a straight shooter, even if the Penguins are playing poorly. So oh, yeah. having Phil Bork come along on TV would be super entertaining because he tells it like it is and is not afraid to share his emotion and his criticism when the Penguins are playing badly or not up to his expectations. So I would be in favor of that. But again, we'll, uh, we'll wait and see what FSG has up their sleeve as the preseason inches closer. Question number four. I think this I think this is our weekly food question from Brian. Robbie, you can take this one. What's one food take that you had that has since been changed? For Brian, it was thinking sushi was gross before he even ever tried it. Uh, so I'll answer this and open it up to you guys as well, because I'm sure we all have uh, an opinion on this. And I think that uh, Brian's example of sushi uh, is probably shared by uh, a lot of people um, throughout the country. But uh, mine, man, sushi is definitely probably on my radar. But one that I'm going to go with is I was never I've never been a fan of coconut flavoring um, because I grew up with coconut basically being that shaved stuff they put on cakes. It was horrendously sugared up and just not good. But now that I've had like legit uh, coconut, like fresh coconut, coconut milk, uh, coconut, I guess it's yeah, coconut fat or whatever uh, that you, you can use as a butter, butter substitute. Um, fresh coconut is actually very good. Uh, it's not my favorite, but um, it's not that horrific flaky stuff that sticks to your teeth and is just so over sugared uh, that it's... Um, it, it's almost too much sugar uh, to handle. Um, so that's mine. I'll go with coconut and then I will pass it along uh, to the rest of you to see what you say. Snail, do you have something off the top of your head? I'm trying to think what my reversible food take would be. Um, I don't know. Cause I feel like I, throughout my life, I've gone through that so many times. I prior, prior to being vegan, of course, like, dude, I, there was only one food that I like did not like, and that was Swiss chard. 
Do you guys know what Swiss chard is? Yeah, I've heard of it. I don't know if I've ever had it, though. I've never had it. I don't know what it is. It's a leafy green. It's like a big kind of like it's a big bulky, almost like dinosaur kale. Um, That's like the one food that I can think of that. And I've had it since then. And I still I can't. It's like a it's like a spicy lettuce. Um, It Uh sucks. I but I maybe like tofu. Like I think before I was uh, before I was vegan, it was like, why would I ever eat that like flavorless like sponge? And then now, since going vegan and, and using it as a protein source quite frequently, uh, it you got to learn how to cook with it or whatever. And now I eat I eat tofu mul- multiple times a week, so I guess that's probably the easiest one off the top of my head. Uh, I don't know. When, like when I was a kid, um, I wanted nothing to do with mustard, and I like it's not that that's not really a food. I know it's a condiment. I'm really trying to rack my brain and trying to think like I I'm, I wouldn't consider myself a picky eater, but I've eaten like the same set of things on rotation for like my entire life. So I don't know that this is a, this is a tough question. I think for the sake of an answer, I will say I like mustard. <laughs> I like mustard now when I didn't like mustard and we'll move on to, to, uh, to question five. So Oh, actually, I, I oh, got yeah. one really quick. Okay. Sorry. But, uh, dude, you know what I used to n- never like was, have you guys, do you guys have Auntie Anne's pretzels out there? Yeah. Yep. yeah. Uh-huh. So, like, I, like, my younger sister, when we'd go to the mall or something for, like, back to school shopping or whatever, I feel like Auntie Anne's was, I, I tried one of their pretzels before, and I could not stand Auntie Anne's. I thought it was, like, gross, like, kind of stale pretzels or whatever. Anyways, I had one not that long ago. And it was it was so good. I now I like I seek out pretzels. I'm like a pretzel guy now, uh, and I'm willing to try any and all of their. I didn't even know they had more than just the the brown sugar and cinnamon pretzels. You can get ones with like jalapenos baked into them. Uh, you can get the classic with the salt on it. They have a bunch of options. So actually, one that I a, a food that I that I have changed my mind on drastically is is Auntie Anne's pretzels. Are you guys into those? Are you guys pretzel guys? I like pretzels, but I'm not like hardcore. Um, I like soft pretzels, soft pretzels with like a cheese or a or a um, a beer cheese or like a nacho cheese or a mustard. That I can devour soft pretzels. Yeah, same soft pretzels. I I mean I can eat like the bag pretzels, the the hard ones, um, especially if they're like sourdough pretzels. I'm not a fan of just like I mean I'll eat them just the normal like standard pretzel twist with salt on. Um, I definitely like a little flavor uh, to them, but uh, soft pretzels I can eat. Annie Ann's is obviously delicious, uh, but I can eat about any soft pretzel. I it, it just yeah that's that would be one that um, I'd have no trouble uh, chowing down on anytime I got the chance. All right, Robbie, take us into question number five. Question number five from Brian again. Um, if we call Nickelback Divorce Dad Rock, uh, then you definitely have to put Creed in that category as well. Do you agree? I do agree. I think, uh, <clears throat> I mean, if there are fans of these bands out there, I'm sorry. Also not sorry. It's like if Nickelback is Creed, is Hinder, is Stained, is Three Days Grace, it's all, all those bands are lumped into that. I think it's hilarious that they're calling it divorce dad rock one, because it's just like, so like brutally honest. And then like, also like, that's just an awesome, like I, 
like there's like Spotify playlists that are like divorced dad rock. And I just I, I mean, I've seen some bands that I think don't fit into that category. Like, obviously, there's some kids out there that had a dad going through divorce and they were in the basement crushing beers, listening to like whatever bands like I saw like Green Day on there. And I saw like in, in some of these lists, I saw uh, uh, a Nirvana. I'm like, Kurt's rolling in his grave right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, those bands are all I mean, yeah. Creed is definitely that kind of that weird, like very early 2000s, like odd mesh of like grunge, obviously some grunge influence mixed with like maybe more of like a metal or a new metal sound and maybe just like a few droplets of some emo in there. I don't know. Do you guys agree? Do you want me to you want me to sing? Uh, what the hell is it? Arms wide open. Is that the name of the song? Yeah, that's like the 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 go-to creed song that's the only creed song i know and it's yeah, been creed, memed. Yeah. it's been memed to death like yeah since... creed is definitely in that genre of divorced dad rock i'd say they're like the most divorced dad rock band yes big um, time dude they're worse like not worse but like dude creed is almost like more of like a i would say creed is like beneath nickelback right if we're like judging them like that yeah i, I think do... i would agree with that and yeah, I, like, they that's... were like Nickelback yeah, before Nickelback. Well, it's like yeah. Nickelback's like a meme, like kind of yeah. at least. Creed isn't even like a meme. Creed's kind of like, oh shit, like you listen to Creed. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. With arms wide open, it's like the 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 major one that everybody knows. And I mean, I'm sure everybody's seen the video of them performing the Thanksgiving halftime show in <laughs> in Dallas, I believe, in like the late '90s, and it's just very cringe it's just not great it's so good it's bad yeah it's, it's so, so bad. good it's so bad it's good yeah again it's like a meme like the nickelback's been memed um i'm not nickelback creed's been memed uh, as well but they're definitely like super divorced dad rock i absolutely agree with that like maybe even like messy divorce dad rock yeah yeah i think nickelback's like what you listen to when you're just going through it um Creed is definitely like when the custody fight turns ugly. <laughs> oh my God. What a way For real. Like it. Nickelback might be thrown on like you might just be like catching a buzz solo one night when like your old lady's out of town or something. Like it's not always in like a dark I atmosphere. Think, like, if you're at like a party and Nickelback comes on, everybody sings it unironically. But if Creed comes on at a party, <laughs> somebody's throwing the stereo out the window. <laughs> Oh, man. You know, for Robbie, Robbie has gone on record in recent podcasts and said he's really not much of an audiophile. But for for Robbie to come out here and and sling some of this heat for Creed, I mean, it's 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 fascinating to see this unravel. He's had a grudge, it seems like, against Creed. He's been waiting no for this day. Against, I have no grudge against Creed. I just don't think they're very good. Yeah, um, tell me how you really feel. Yeah, um, but yeah, that's how I feel. All right. Well, I guess we'll move on from the divorce dad rock. I've been enjoying that, uh, kind of touching on that recently. So anyways, we'll move to question six now from, uh, from Brian here. Brian asks, do you have a hockey term that you love more than others? Uh, I got to go with flow since I have a good flow going. Oh man. Well, you know, since Brian brings that up, I, we like the, the next logical step in, in this evolution now, it, we have to see if Brian is okay with doing this, obviously, but we have to see this flow. Um, we have to see if, if he is willing to send us a question over the interwebs and 
comment and say he has a good flow going. Well, we can't just go by what he says. We have to we have to see some some photo photographic evidence of, of this flow. Yeah, we'll uh, be the judge if it's a good flow. Exactly. As far as other hockey terminology, um, I think the use of hockey hockey speak or hockey terminology in regular conversation is kind of cringe. I don't do it like I don't say the word barn for an arena. I don't say butte for a, a, a fancy goal that was scored. I don't use selly. I don't like if I'm having an argument with somebody, I'm not, I don't say I'm chirping them or trash talking them. Uh, what, what else? What else is there? Mitts. He has silky mitts. I, I, I don't say that. Salad is another term for hair. Uh, I don't say salad. Top cheese, top cheddar, uh, just below a goal that's just below the crossbar. I, I don't, I don't use that as well. I think all of this hockey stuff. Hockey talk is super cringe, and I will refuse to use it in conversation. Question seven from Brian. Do you guys think if we win the cup within the next three seasons, next three seasons, Crosby gives Carlson his Ray Bork moment and hands Carlson Lord Stanley directly? So I don't think it'll be a Ray Bork type moment like we saw in Colorado back in 2001. But I definitely think just glancing at uh, the roster, I think that he would be the easy choice to be the first guy the Cup is handed off to uh, should the Penguins win a Stanley Cup with him on the roster because there's nobody else that would really uh, fit that role. Um, If we're going just off uh, this year's roster, it definitely seems like yeah, he would be the only real deserving candidate, unless they'd bring in like a super veteran that, like, like a Ron Hainsey type almost, uh, that has never even been to the playoffs and wins a cup uh, with the team. But I think, um, yeah, based on what the roster is right now, he would be the the obvious choice for the person that uh, takes the cup first, unless. Um, he wants to do a direct handoff uh, to like Malkin or something, but I think overall the first choice would obviously uh, be um, be Eric Carlson. Uh, maybe not in a Ray Borg type stance. I think Crosby would be more than happy to take the cup around uh, for a lap, like he has done in the past. But the always often discuss who gets the cup first um, from the captain. I think the obvious choice for this current Penguins team. Uh, would be Eric Carlson. So uh, maybe not a true Ray Bork moment, but he would definitely be uh, the top choice to get the cup first. Uh, Question number eight from Brian. Uh, Who's the best player to never win the Hart Trophy? Um, So there's actually, there's like actually a few guys here that when I was kind of reading into this a little bit, I was shocked. Um, Uh. I guess I'll give you guys a few that I think you might be surprised to hear that it never won the heart. And then I'll give you my, my pick. And uh, a couple names is like Mike bossy, Marcel Dion Uh, dude, Marcel Dion had, has career 731 goals and over a thousand assists. Never won the heart Uh, for how dominant he was in his era. You got like a guy, a goalie and Mart, uh, Martin Brodeur. Um, 
My pick, though, is got to be Steve Eiserman. I mean, seeing that he never won a heart was truly shocking to me. I think he's like the longest ever standing captain to captain the same team or whatever from 86 to 2005. Um, a few Stanley Cups in there. I think between eight, uh, 1987 and 1993, he had over 100 points each of those seasons. So just a dominant player and like a just a just a man amongst boys at times and, and a pure leader. Uh, that's my pick. Um, also, Aginla, Jerome Aginla. I'm a huge Aginla fan, and, you know, he had many years of dominance and um, kind of shocked that he never got one. He was a he scored a lot of goals there for quite a while. So I'd be curious if you guys have any off the top of your head. Uh, Nick Lidstrom and Marty Brodeur. I mean, Brodeur... I don't know how many Vesnas Brodeur won, but for him to for Brodeur to never win a heart seems kind of strange. It never happened. But you know, Lidstrom being widely regarded as one of the greatest defensemen of all time and never got that heart trophy. I'm I mean, there there was a bunch of guys. You mentioned again again was I thought going to be the first name that come out of your mouth, Snail. But <laughs> yeah. uh, uh those were the two that came to my mind. Lid Lidstrom and Brodeur. Uh, Robbie, I don't know about you. Yeah, one that uh, sticks out to me, and this is more of a recent one, is uh, Steven Stamkos. Um, his teammate, Nikita Kucherov, won. But, again, he kind of came in, like, again, it's t- kind of tough sometimes. I mean, uh, a large portion of since the 80s has been Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, uh, guys like that. Um, Irishman's a good choice as well. Um Broder, I mean, especially when you look at Broder, like some of the other goalies that have won uh, Hart trophies, Hashik has two, uh, Jose Theodore has one, um, Carey Price has one. Uh, so, like those kind of guys. But I'm going to go with Steven Stamkos. I mean, he's been, he's going to, he's over 500 goals. He's maybe going to get to 600. He's a Hall of Famer. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, Steven Stamkos for this, but. Uh, when you really dive in deep to it, there's a lot of uh, very good options here. And I, the Eisenman one is also uh, very good as well. All right. Uh, question. Actually, this is not a question. Brian has a statement here. And uh, he says simply, you guys got me. I am Kyle Dubas. You know, I thought Brian was. Uh, we had hypothesized. I can't remember if it was last week's mailbag. Or if it was during uh, our midweek segment, A Mile in Kyle Shoes, I brought up the in jest, I think basically in passing, that uh, Brian is basically Kyle Dubas operating a burner Twitter account. Um, but it's, it's good to know now that we have confirmation that Kyle Dubas has been masquerading as a man named Brian for the better part of, well, I don't even know how long he's been active on social media. But basically, Kyle Dubas has been giving us content for a very long time. And so, Kyle, Brian, whatever your name is, I, I have to thank you. Thank you for, for allowing Robbie, myself, and Snail to, to create these mailbags and give some more Penguins content to the deprived, the, star, the starved Penguins fandom that just wants to watch Sidney Crosby score some amazing goals again. So, Brian, Kyle whatever your name is, of course it's Brian, obviously. Uh, we now know that you are, in fact, Kyle Dubas. So I thank you for that. 
Thanks, Brian, Kyle. All right, uh, Robbie, question number 10 comes from, again, Brian slash Kyle. Is there any specific player or players that you'd like to see get a PTO contract? I mean, I think the obvious answer here is Tomas Tatar, is it not? Uh, we've been kind of uh, – that seems to have kind of – the talk around that seems to have kind of cooled down in the past couple of weeks ever since his comments uh, about talking to the Pens but not saying much more than that. Um, yeah, I mean, Tatar is one. Again, the Penguins are kind of up against it here now. Uh, PTOs don't really – I mean, they don't really mean anything in terms of salary cap. It only really matters if um, you take them from a PTO to a, uh, a contract. So – um, maybe Kessel, uh, maybe we give Phil Kessel a look on a PTO if he, if that's something he'd be interested in. Um, but I don't know. Um, Tatar is the one that we're all kind of waiting on, um, to hear anything. If it's a PTO or a, uh, just an NHL contract. Um, again, we're running out of time now. I believe camp starts, uh, next week. Uh, not this coming, not this week now, not Labor Day week, but I believe, uh, the next week, the middle of September there, it starts. And, um, yeah, still some time there. But I'm, I'm going to sit on Tomas Tatar and, hey, maybe even Phil Kessel if, if both sides are interested in giving it uh, another shot to run it back. Garrett, do you want Kessel back in pit? I would like it for nostalgic purposes, fan purposes. Uh, I was just having a conversation earlier today with my friend Pat Damp over at the Locked On Network, Locked On Penguins co-host with Hunter Hodes. I was just talking with him about this very topic, whether or not Phil Kessel should be on on the Penguins roster for a reunion. I think it would be fun because this fan base loves Phil Kessel, but the analytical objective part of my brain says it probably doesn't happen. All right, question number... I believe this is 11. This is now we're switching over to Kim from Denmark. Uh, what do you think about the, what do you think about the rules on penalties? They are trying out in the champions hockey league. Um, so I figured we could kind of maybe give our, I, I, I have a few of the, I think these are the rules. I, I have three of them here that they're trying out over there in the Champions Hockey League, and I thought maybe we could discuss them and see if there's something maybe we'd like implemented in the NHL or not. Um, I'll read them off quick here to you. <clears throat> the first one being, a team that causes a minor penalty will remain shorthanded even if the opposing team scores a goal. And then the next one is, a minor penalty will be served even if a goal is scored while a delayed penalty is pending. And then uh, the third one here that I saw is if the shorthanded team scores, the minor the minor penalty against will end. And we I think we had a question maybe a week or two ago. I think a couple of these uh, maybe it was like a hypothetical about like rules we'd like changed in the NHL. And a couple of these sound pretty familiar that maybe we discussed these. So. Anyways, I kind of like my personal take is I kind of like these. I really like if the shorthanded team scores, the minor penalty against will end. I, we talked about it on the on the mailbag where with the hypothetical rule change. Um, I think this would be awesome in in the NHL. I think it's an awesome concept because if you're shorthanded, you're actually giving your stars more ice time because there's incentive to score a goal. Um I think it would change the way, I mean, you're changing essentially a penalty kill is all defense, but when you put your, you could put your stars out there shorthanded and it becomes more of a, 
of it, it becomes more about offense. I think that, you know, we, we want to watch goals be scored. Um, that would be inherently interesting to see, you know, a penalty. And then you SIDS out there with like Malk and you load up a, a four man little squad out there to try to, to end the penalty early. I think that'd be awesome. Um, curious. What do you, what about you guys? Um, I've long advocated for the, a penalty ends if you score shorthanded. Um, that's that, I'm glad it's seeing it's being tested out somewhere and it could be a terrible idea. So I'm interested to see how all this uh, plays out um, in kind of a test trial period uh, at the uh, champions hockey league. Um, I'm not a fan of the score as many times as you want on a two minute minor penalty. Um, just not really uh, not worth, in my opinion, treating it as a five minute major. Um. And then the delayed penalty one, I'm kind of in the middle on. Um, I think that uh, it, I, I think it's a good idea, but I want to see it in in practice before I wage a full opinion on that. But as for the killing or the penalty ends if you score shorthanded, I am 100 percent on board with that. Uh. Yeah, I, I'm looking at these rules. I love the innovation for potential a potential boost in offense. Now, whether or not these rules get moved over to the NHL is a completely different conversation for a completely different day. But a team that caused a minor penalty will remain shorthanded. Even if the opposing team scores a goal, that's – I mean, that's talk about scoring more offense, boosting offensive numbers – a minor penalty will be served even if a goal is scored while a delayed penalty, again, making another team shorthanded. It would suck for the shorthanded team, but it would be a, another way to increase offense. These are all all of my all of my reasonings have to do with basically increasing goal scoring because I think that's the that's what fans pay to see these days. So if you can give them more avenues to try and see their favorite team score goals and win games. I think it would be beneficial for all parties involved, but right now these are, these rules are starting over in Europe. We'll see if they ever get introduced to the NHL level. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed to any of these three rules becoming mainstays in the NHL rulebook. All right. Uh, question 12 coming from uh, Cam again. If uh, if we have the squad we have now, how far will we go? How far will we go? We will go as far as Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin lead this team, and Chris Letang for that matter. You could make the argument that the Penguins will go as far as Tristan Jari will take them. This will be the season. Tristan Jari finally gets his big money contract. He's locked up long term. Can Jari stay healthy? That is the one of the million-dollar questions. What kind of production can Eric Carlson give his brand-new team? Can Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Chris Letang remain elite as they get closer and closer to age 40? Uh, they had Both Malkin and Crosby had tremendous seasons last year. I believe they both played 82 games last year, which is incredible that neither player missed significant time with injury. Uh, but for as long as it's been, Crosby leads the charge, and it will remain that way. I think this team is a playoff team, and I think this team can get out of the first round. I genuinely 
genuinely believe that. Can they win the Stanley Cup? Are there days of routinely competing for Stanley Cups? Are they still alive? I don't think so. I think there are better teams in the Eastern Conference than the Penguins, and that's okay. That is okay. Yeah, we want to see the Penguins win the Stanley Cup every year, but every person on this team, every superstar has had their legacy their legacies uh, cemented by winning the back-to-back cups in 2016 and 2017. So if this squad, if this core doesn't win another championship over the next three to four years, I am going to sleep just fine at night. For the next three to four years, I just want to be entertained. Give me an entertaining product on the ice that I can routinely tune in for and cheer for, even if it doesn't mean uh, we lift Lord Stanley at the end of the season. Question number 13 from Tony Nikonen goes to Robbie. Provide us with an analysis of this team's potential line by the player's speed. You may use the scale to describe speed on this team. From Carl Haglin to super fast to fast, above average, average, a step slow, or slow. And Tony gives an example here. For instance, I would rank Rust as a fast player, according to the scale. So, Robbie, who are the speed burners on this team? Well, your speed burners, I mean, Latang, still a super fast skater. Uh, Crosby, probably not as fast as he once was, but can still get up and down the ice. Uh, so, I'm going to say Crosby and Latang both as fast skaters. I really don't know if there is what I would call a, just looking at the roster, a super fast skater on this roster right now. Um, Pio Joseph is super fast. (laughs) Joseph can skate, yeah. Uh, It's just, again, not a ton of speed on this team. Uh, I mean, your younger guys are all pretty fast skaters. Your O'Connors, your Nylanders. Um, Gensel has never been the fastest skater in the world. Um, The lowest on here is slow. So whatever is below slow is where we put Jeff Carter. Uh, he actually has his own category. He is Jeff Carter. Um, yeah, there's obviously no Haglin. I think if you're using Haglin as a super fast example, then that category is going to be extremely limited. Maybe like McDavid uh, is in that category. Cole Caulfield is a super fast skater uh, up in Montreal, but that, if Haglin is your baseline for super fast and there's not going to be many people in that, uh, in that echelon. But I mean, if you're going fast, I mean, Crosby's still a fast skater. Latang is probably the closest the Penguins have to a super fast skater outside of Pierre Olivier Joseph. Uh, Carlson I'd say is he's lost maybe a step, but his skill makes him maybe appear more fast than he actually is. Um, goalies we're going to take out of it. Um, Ty Smith, from what we saw, I believe is a fast skater, but a guy like Pedersen uh, is going to be uh, probably an average skater, maybe above average. Uh, Malkin, I'm going to say, is uh, still above average, even though he's uh, lost a step because, I mean, the knee injuries eventually are going to catch up. Raquel, I'm going to say, is above average. Gensel, above average. Um, yeah, not a ton of super, super speed. But, uh, again, you don't need a, a, a team of Haglins uh, to compete, obviously. But, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, no super fast skater. 
but uh, plenty of speed up and down this roster as well. Uh, this question is specifically for us now, and it is from Kim from Denmark again. Uh, coming from Seattle, Snail, uh, do you like the show Frasier? I've seen every episode, and I think it is fantastic. So I, I must admit, um, oh, no. <laughs> last night when I was perusing Twitter, Don't tell I, me. I saw this question. Uh, I had no idea Frasier was took place in Seattle because oh I have God. never watched it. Oh okay, I mean, the, 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 the intro is literally like the Seattle skyline with the needle and all that. I cannot believe that I'm hearing this right now. So and you're older than I am. You are older. You are what, six, <laughs> seven years older than me. And you have never seen Frasier. I, I just no, I haven't. So last night, actually, I got into bed and I watched Frasier. I was like, you know what? I got to see what's up with this. And uh, it's a great show. It's so it's it's like classic 90s. I mean, it reminds it's oh, like yeah. f- it's like Friends or like Seinfeld or whatever, which I watched like Everybody Loves Raymond. Like I watched those shows. But dude, Frasier, for some reason, maybe it was like regional. I don't know. Maybe Frasier was played less in Seattle because I got when I saw this question, I was like, I have heard that name before. I have never seen it like. I don't think I've ever watched, like in all my years of watching TV, I can't recall a single time where they were like, coming up next is Frasier or something, you know? Like, I don't recall that. So, um, I, I that's awesome you've seen every episode. I I watched like six episodes in bed last night before falling asleep. Uh, very comfy, uh, comfy show to watch and just kind of listen to. It, it's it's the, the humor is subtle and it's, it's that classic like 90s kind of dry humor. Um, so I'm. Have you guys watched Frasier? I guess. Yeah, I've, I've seen Frasier. I love Frasier. I mean, it's... yeah, yeah. I've watched. I can't say I've seen every single episode. Same, but um, yeah. I, um, and it's more or less. It wasn't even something growing up. Like I knew it existed, but mostly more in. Um, I think the '90s sitcoms actually make more sense now than watching them growing up because the humor is more adultish. Um, so it makes more sense now, but, uh, yeah, Frasier I've watched again and not to stick on the Frasier line, but saying you're from Seattle, not having seen Frasier is like someone from Boston saying they've never seen Cheers. Um, I, I bet Snail's never seen Cheers either. I have seen Cheers. Oh, you know, oh, Frasier, really? you know, Frasier's in Cheers, right? No. Literally oh. that's Frasier is a spinoff of Cheers. No way. Yeah. He's literally in like he is one of the bar bar patrons not maybe not the whole show but for a significant part he is he Frasier becomes a main character. Oh my god so wait in the first episode of Frasier he says he moved away from Seattle for a while and then he moved back is that what he's referring to Very much so Oh my god my mind is blown that is amazing the lore of Frasier <laughs> has me funniest, just captivated right now This is the funniest thing i think i've ever been a part of Yeah we, he is in real time have just witnessed snail's mind get blown for realizing that well for he's never seen Frasier he didn't realize it was a spin-off of Cheers he has seen Cheers but he doesn't remember seeing Frasier in Cheers So um have you watched Yeah he didn't start coming into Cheers until he was a recur. He wasn't a main character until season five. But in the first six episodes of Frasier that you watch, 
has he mentioned his ex-wife Lilith at all? Yeah, he has. Okay, so she is you act well, you will eventually see her in Frasier, but she is also a character on Cheers. Jesus, boys. Oh my and all, god. At, at some point throughout the 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 entire series of Frasier, all the Cheers main actors make a guest star appearance in Frasier. Dang. So what I should be doing is I should go rewatch Cheers in its entirety and then watch Frasier. Probably. Yes, that's what you need to do. It's, this has given me so much purpose. I have been struggling lately to find shows to watch at night. My, I don't know if your guys' evening routine is like mine, but like once it gets like maybe an hour or two to uh, closer to bedtime uh, or when I'd like to actually try to fall asleep, I just sit and I watch... I watch like two hours of TV or like an hour, maybe an hour and a half of TV. Well, you definitely have some catching up to do. I do have some catching up to do. I'd kind of like to piggyback off this question quick. And like growing up, like what what shows did you watch? Like what? Like I, Kim has watched every episode of Frasier. I wonder if Kim has seen Cheers or if he knows this lore. Uh, anyways, what what shows did were you guys watching growing up? Uh, we watched a lot of Friends. Yes. My- um. Go ahead, Robbie. Friends, are you talking just sitcoms? Um, yeah, uh, sitcoms or uh, I don't know, like uh, like net network classics. Like, like were you like a Nickelodeon or a Disney? Kid oh when you yeah, were young, so or? If we're going with that. Like Nickelodeon was an absolutely massive part uh, of my childhood, especially in the summers when we had no school. Uh, hey Arnold, Rugrats, SpongeBob, Rocket Power. I could go on and on. Um, with those Cartoon Network, uh, was another one, um, uh, Disney here and there, not as much as Nickelodeon. Uh, but yeah, a lot of Nickelodeon, a lot of Cartoon Network, uh, especially in the summers is what we watched. Lizzie McGuire. Yeah. I mean, I was never like, there's some people that are like huge fans of Lizzie McGuire. Um, I'd watch it, but I probably can't really tell you, uh, much about the show other than it starred Hillary Duff. That's probably about it. Like Kim from Denmark, seeing every episode of Frasier, I have seen every episode of Lizzie McGuire. Oh, okay. Wow, we're we're opening up uh, not cans of worms, but we're opening up new layers to these people. You think you know people, and then you realize you really don't know. You really don't know the people you think you know. I, I mean, from 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 these from these statements saying that he's never seen. Che- I mean, he's seen Cheers, but he's never seen Frasier. He didn't know that was connected. And now he's saying he's seen every episode. I mean, I, hey, I love Lizzie McGuire. I I, that's, I grew up with a heavy heaping of Disney Channel, Nickelodeon, and Cartoon Network. And I have a sister who's six years older than me. So she would watch, she was the prime age for the late 90s, early 2000s stuff that you'd see on Nickelodeon, Disney Channel. And I just grew up with that because it was in my environment. And now I love all of the stuff that she grew up watching is like all of the stuff that I love watching too. And it's probably just because it was in my environment so much. And like, as I got older, like by 2007, 2008, I was starting to get phase out of like cartoon network and Nickelodeon. Uh, but yeah, all, all of the stuff mid, mid to late nineties cartoons and even sitcoms for that matter. Like I, I was raised on everybody loves Raymond Seinfeld, Cheers, uh, Frasier. These are all still shows that my parents watch 
to this day and continue to watch. And um, my dad's favorite TV show is probably Seinfeld ever. This is a favorite TV show of all time. And I think it's absolutely hilarious. So yeah, it, it, this has been an enlightening conversation, not only for the fact that we have opened Snail's mind up to something that he previously had no idea was connected, but you know, the fact that we're coming together as a trio here and we're, we're just sharing thoughts about childhood and what we watched on TV. I love it, man. Uh, I definitely, I, you guys know what I'll be doing this, this Labor Day. Oh yeah, absolutely. As soon as we're done recording. As soon as we're done recording. All right, we'll move on from that. Um, let's see here. I think we're on question 15. Yes. Uh, this is from Jace and Kim with similar questions. Uh, with how cap-strapped the Penguins currently are, if Dubas was to make a trade, it would obviously have to be money in, money out. Who are candidates that could potentially get traded at the deadline? Who are guys you would like general manager Kyle Dubas to target? Well, Robbie, Robbie, do you remember before Snail, this was when Snail was a question asker, and uh, when it was just the, the two of us, Every week, Robbie, it felt like we were getting a question about who should, who should the general, whether it was Ron Hextall or now Kyle Dubas, we were getting trade uh, trade mailbag questions months before the trade deadline. Yeah, it's way too early. I like, let's get to can, let's get like a month of the season in first. It's Here's, way too early to be thinking about what the Penguins may or may not need. They should obviously trade for Connor McDavid. Is <laughs> my answer. It's way. My mind's still recovering from the last trade deadline. Um, we got questions. Um, just, yeah, we got questions, multiple questions every week starting in like right as the season started about the up, the trade deadline for last season. So, yeah, it was a lot. What I will say to try and satisfy both Jace and Kim, I cannot tell you who – I would like Kyle Dubas to target because I have no idea who's on the block. But for hypothetical sake, I can maybe maybe wager a guess and see if there was a player or a couple of players that may be used as a trade bait for the Penguins. I have no evidence to back this up, but given his age and current contract, uh, maybe Brian Rust? Maybe Brian Rust is, is a potential trade candidate? Uh Again, I have no evidence to back it up, and I can't tell you why he would be traded. But, hey, maybe if if the Penguins need to create salary cap space, I think maybe Brian Rust or Ricard Raquel would be the first two that I would look at and say, okay, we need to create some space. Who can we take off our books but not make us an incredibly terrible team in the process of doing it? So, hypothetically, if the Penguins are selling – well, let's hope they're not selling – if they are selling, though, the first two people off the top of my head because of their cap hit and remaining contract, maybe Brian Rust and Ricard Raquel. Um, who's a maybe I asked this question to you guys at one point when I was in my larval stage as a oh, question sure asker. Um, so there's a guy that I feel like I think. I've wanted this guy in Pittsburgh for a long time, and I'd be curious. I'm curious if you guys have any 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 uh, um, opinion on this player. Um, but I've I've thought this guy would just be like the perfect fit under Sullivan's system in Pittsburgh, and 
I, you know, I, I what it all depends on what you'd be willing to give up. Like Rust, I love Brian Rust. Um, would I trade him at the deadline? It, I mean, if Rust bounced back, probably not, and has a good season next year. If he if he continues to kind of like pitter out and he's declining, maybe you look at this. But like, dude, Josh Anderson, he plays for the Habs right now. He used to play for Columbus. I've thought that that dude is just like perfect for what I mean. He's fast. He's super fast. Speedy winger. He's a right shot. I think on a on like a stacked team, on like a good team, like like the Penguins. I wouldn't call the Penguins stacked. I'm just saying like on a good team or better team. He's like the perfect third line player. He's fast. He's got a scoring touch. He's like pretty clutch. I think a lot of the goals he scored in the playoffs, he's like a clutch player. Um, he can, I I know Garrett hates this, but he can fight. He can stick up for other players. Um, he's not a dirty player, though. I would say he can he can drop the mitts if he needs to, but he's not, he's not a, a guy out there taking stupid penalties. Um, just to kind of satisfy this, this guy, uh, Jason Kim, it's like, dude, I think that I've been saying they should target Josh Anderson for a really long time. Do you guys have any opinion on that? I like Josh Anderson. I'm just looking at some of his stats right now. He's a two-time 20-plus goal scorer, and in a couple of other seasons, he ended with 19 goals scored. So in 457 career games played split between the Columbus Blue Jackets and Canadians, 457 games played, 122 goals scored, 203 points, career points, 387 penalty minutes. So on the surface, this is a guy that can provide you uh, a decent chunk of offense if he's surrounded by the right cast. 29 years old, uh, like Snail mentioned, right wing, right shot. I don't know what his cap hit is. I don't know. I, I don't know if uh, if he's locked up in Montreal long term. But this looks like a player that I would have no problem if Kyle Dubas went out and tried to acquire him. I think he's making a little over five, so not exactly third line, not exactly third line money, but yeah, I don't know. All righty. Well, with that, we'll move on to question 16 here for Robbie. Question 16 comes from Logan Cranky. If Tristan Jari struggles with injuries again this year, do you think Dubas has a backup plan in the back of his mind? I hope so. Um, yeah, me too. <laughs> the backup plan, at least from what we've seen this offseason, is apparently sign a bunch of guys and hope something sticks. Um, you're going to probably enter the season with a tandem of Jari, obviously, and uh, Al- Alex Nadelkovic. I would assume it's going to be uh, the backup, but you also have Taylor Godier and Magnus Elberg uh, waiting uh, in the wings as well as your third goalie. Uh, Joel Blomquist is, I mean, I think that all four of those guys would probably have to get hurt before we see Blomquist uh, in the NHL this season. Uh, this is going to be a pure development season uh, for Blomquist in the AHL. But Jari, I mean, I don't know what was said in meetings uh, between contract negotiations, but whatever it was, Kyle Dubas seemed to like. And he trusts Tristan Jari, and I guess we have to at least put some faith um, in the process here and hope that it was just a injury that kept him out for a big chunk of the season and also when he was quote-unquote healthy uh, is what prevented him from being 
um, the goaltender that we think he can be. So uh, Kyle Dukes is putting a lot of faith in Tristan Jari. So I guess the backup plan is if it's not Jari, we hope that one of these other guys can make it work. But honestly, I'm a little skeptical of that. Um, But I'm going to put my faith in Tristan Jari like Kyle Dubas is. But if it doesn't work out, uh, it could be a big struggle back there. Uh, That's for sure. Uh, Question number 17 from Woody. Uh, Can the Penguins pay Jeff Carter but not, not play him? Is there something in his contract that says he must play a certain amount of minutes? So with the way things shook out last season, with how much uh, Sullivan put Carter out there on the ice in pretty like important situations, you might think that there's got to be some language in the contract he has that he has to play a certain amount of minutes. But I've never actually heard of this in a in a like it being in a contract. I did a little bit of research on the internet and I didn't find anything, any concrete evidence that this is something that can be done. If uh, if you guys knew it know any different i'd i'd invite you to chime in but the first part of this question is can the penguins pay jeff carter and not play him absolutely i think that depending if jeff carter shits the bed again this season if he comes into camp and he's you know clearly a year older um i think the penguins will literally be paying jeff carter to not play they will be paying to put him in the press box um, but as far as there literally being a clause in his contract saying that, you know, he's got to play a certain amount of minutes, uh, I don't know. I don't th- I can't imagine that that's a thing. I wouldn't put anything by Hextall. That dude clearly is a moron. Um, if I, I don't think that that's the case, though, can do you guys know if like do you guys know anything about the way contracts can be written up? Is that a thing in the NHL? There's no I, way. I don't There's think no so. Way. Not that I've ever heard of. Yeah, because I've never yeah. heard of it either. Um, may, like, maybe the only thing I could see is like a performance bonus that is tied to a contract. Like a player has to play, I don't know, for 500 minutes over the course of a season. And if they play, if they get the 500 minutes, then they get their $500,000 bonus or something like that. Right. But I... I've never seen language in a contract or no, I've never seen anyone report on contract negotiations saying that there is a clause that he has to play. And if he doesn't play, well then there are legal, legal NHLPA ramifications that come down if he doesn't play. But I just, I've always associated that with like performance bonuses. Yeah, that's kind of, I, I could definitely see something with like, the language written in there for like performance bonuses but no i think that i don't know why they played him so much last season it, it would make you think that maybe his contract said you had to put him out there a certain amount but i guess we'll find out this year if that's really the case i think that you know with the new regime and unless jeff carter shows up ready to play and he's kind of almost gained half a step back i would assume that they'll be paying him to you know sit in the press box but i guess we'll see uh, let's go. I think this is, is this the last question? Question 18? It um, is the last question. This comes from Woody. Do you believe we are getting very close to a strictly pay-per-view with all sports? Uh, Woody believes that we are with regular season games and some playoff games. Commercials bring in too much money for something like the Super Bowl to go pay-per-view. I love these hypothetical 
questions that talk about the future of sports broadcasting. Uh, and looking at this question, boy, it doesn't it feel like Woody? If uh, doesn't it feel like we are inching closer to the NFL charging a, a weekly rate on cable or a streaming service to say you can't watch that? You can watch this game, but you have to give us a, a seven ninety nine or a nine ninety nine streaming fee to watch this game. Uh, granted, I think that that's an extreme scenario an extreme example to throw out there but with the way cable people are cutting cable faster than ever before and relying on streaming services snail mentioned uh earlier whether we were recording or not recording just before we started he has a, the a bunch of streaming services and he doesn't pay for cable that's becoming the reality and i'm very curious to see what the future holds for networks like ESPN and I think the the, the the property like the NBA or the NFL will remain a behemoth moneymaker but it's clear more and more people are phasing out cable how will they consume that content it'll probably be direct to consumer uh, streaming options instead of your traditional NBC ABC Fox ESPN the more and more I read about it the more and more within the next five to 10 years, ESPN could be in grave danger because of how many people are cutting cable. We'll see if, if ESPN can adapt and, and sort of alter the way they bring sport to the consumer. But yeah, I think this is something to keep an eye on as this, this sports media landscape really continues to evolve in real time. And I'm always fascinated by topics like this, talking about, the hypotheticals and what ifs but looking at the premium events like your world series what he mentions the super bowl here uh i there like what he says there is so much money to be made on even like network tv for how much uh companies pay to have a 30 second ad aired on nbc or abc or fox for the super bowl it's astronomical millions and millions of dollars paid for commercial airtime. So I don't think, I don't, I don't, I really don't think those premium events will ever go to a pay-per-view model like the, what the NFL, MLB, NHL, NBA, what, what these sports leagues offer. I don't think their, their big championship games or series will go that to that extreme. But I mean, with how crazy the, the sports media landscape is. I would have never thought, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, that cable would be cut so quickly and streaming services would start to basically replace that, replace cable television. So it's a it's more of a wait and see kind of thing to see what happens in the sports landscape, but it is definitely something that I will keep an eye on because I take a great interest in seeing how this landscape changes on a daily, monthly, and yearly basis. Well, folks, it is, as we record, it is 3.13 Eastern time on Labor Day, Monday, September 4th. We have gotten through another mailbag this week, and for Robbie's sake, not a moment too soon, because Robbie is abandoning his two adult sons, and he is going to enjoy a Labor Day picnic. So, this will likely come out the day after Labor Day. If you're listening to this, I hope you had a 
a wonderful holiday weekend for those of you in the United States and for everyone who has decided to listen to another edition of the Pennscast Mailbag here at the Skating Penguin Network. So for Snail, for Robbie Noggle, I have been Garrett Bahanna. Thank you so much for listening to another edition of this mailbag, and we will talk to all of you again next week.